Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Representation is at the core of what I do. I'm Jaguar. I'm a DJ and broadcaster living in London. I'm also a mixed-race woman, and whether I like it or not, that affects everything I do and how I'm seen in the patriarchy of the modern world. Supporting those who are underrepresented in music, particularly women, trans and non-binary people, is a very important part of my mission. In August last year, I launched the Jaguar Foundation and released a report exploring gender inequality in dance music. During my research, I found this quote from the late Audre Lorde, a poet, writer and black queer feminist. The human race is evolving through women. We've got to take that promise of new power seriously. She's basically saying that for thousands of years, the world has developed with men in power. And now that women are finally being granted the same opportunities that men have had, we have the power to change things and set a totally new agenda. This works as a metaphor for any minority who challenges oppression. We are bringing a totally fresh perspective to evolve society. I find this deeply inspiring. And right now, in electronic music, it feels like we are undergoing a cultural shift where women, trans and non-binary people are the ones taking up space, speaking out against the canon and pushing for equal opportunities. I can feel a change in the air. But as we found out in the previous episode, it isn't always straightforward. Take this story from Jam Supernova, for example. Hi, my name is Jam Supernova and my pronouns are she and her. I'm a DJ, I'm a broadcaster and I'm a label owner. An experience that I've had as a woman in dance music that you'd probably laugh at now, but I remember at the time being really upset by it. I was on after this DJ, he was playing before me, a guy, and I went to go and get something out of my bag which was underneath the decks and in the booth and he was like, you shouldn't be in here, you need to get out, I'm DJing right now, you need to get out. And I was like, pardon, I'm, I'm coming on after you, I, I wanted to get set up. He was like, no, you're not playing after. And I sort of said, like, I'm Jam Supernova. And he was like, oh, I thought Jam Supernova was a guy. And it got kind of really weird and awkward. And, and it wasn't the best way to start my set because I genuinely could see he just didn't believe that I was who I was or the fact that I deserved to be in the booth with him. I feel Jams's pain. Not long ago, this bouncer kicked me out of my own green room where I was prepping for a set for the same reason. He didn't believe that I was the artist. Here's another one for you. Hi, I'm Paulette. My pronouns are she, her. By night, I'm a DJ and by day, I'm an author, radio presenter and music industry professional. One experience I've had as a woman in dance music is that people still think I'm new to the game after 30 years and that female DJs are still considered a novelty by many. New to the game? That is so crazy to me. I feel so lucky to have got to know Paulette over the years. And if you don't know, 
DJ Poulette is an absolute pioneer. She's been a big part of the UK scene since the 90s with her flesh residency at the Hacienda starting in 1991. And I love now that she speaks out a lot about her experiences as a queer black woman. And if you ever get the chance to see her DJ, definitely make sure you go support her. The point is, representation really matters. The more people see female, trans and non-binary DJs taking up space, the more it will become the norm. Welcome to Utopia Talks. If you have a diverse lineup, you are going to encourage a more diverse crowd Mm. because they're going to feel more comfortable in that space because if you've thought about them on the lineup, you have thought about the space that you're creating for them. My name is Michelle Manetti. My pronouns are she, they, interchangeable. I am a DJ and I run a club night called Femme Fresh, which is a Flinter-focused club night. For anyone who doesn't know what Flinter is, it's female, lesbian, intersex, non-binary, transgender and agender. And I've been in the industry maybe about 22 plus years. I played a Femme Fresh. Is it? Uh, what year was that? 20... Couple of years. 19? Maybe. Just before the pandemic. Yeah, it was just before the pandemic, I think. I had a lovely time, by the way. (laughs) As someone who, you know, sources a lot of women and non-binary talent, like where do you look to find your DJs? I mean, thing is, even though obviously when you're talking about the bigger scale of things and the big festivals and stuff and you think, oh, there isn't as many, but, but actually on grassroots level, there's loads, especially in London. And I make it my point to find out who knew kind of female non-binary trans artists are that are coming through a lot of it is all word of mouth of course Mm. um and also it will be from people that I'm playing on lineups with you know I tend to get booked for a lot of queer parties myself and then obviously there tends to be a lot more um, diversity within those queer parties and and also like what's really lovely is like particularly recently I get a lot of people coming to me and like a lot of new DJs who've seen the party who think that they would be a fit and they'll send me their profiles like at least twice or three times a week I'll get someone messaging me. Nice. And these are this is great because these are obviously like really young, fresh, up and coming DJs that are on the scene looking for places to go. And it's like, you know, they're putting themselves out there, which is fabulous. Yeah, that's amazing. What do you think about playing festivals or club nights where you might be the only woman or queer person or person of colour in my case, I always push back when I get these requests and sometimes it just plain angers me that they've had the audacity to even make this lineup and try and book me for it. But at the same time, I have done some in the past and I thought if I don't do this, it's just going to be a bunch of white guys or it's just going to be a bunch of straight people. So sometimes I'm torn because I'm like, well, in some ways I'm taking up space, which is good. But sometimes it's just so exhausting and like sad to be kind of put in that position, Mm. you know? Mm. I guess it's the way that it's done, I think, for Mm. me particularly, is that if you can clearly see that you are a tokenistic thought and you're like, oh, I've got to tick a particular box. Like, yes, I want to create that representation. But at the same time, I don't want to be someone's box that's being ticked. I want to be booked on my own merit for me as a DJ. And I don't know, I think I think while visibility is important, I feel like that kind of visibility can be a bit toxic mm. because you can guarantee that I know that if I'm the only 
queer female or female on a lineup full of, you know, a load of guys, I know what kind of crowd it's going to be. It's also probably not going to be that much fun, fun, fun for me to play at. Mm. And you know the kind of mentality of what the promoters and what their team is going to be like as well. And that's going to be quite an exhausting thing to play at. And maybe not, you know, you know, you're going to have an experience where it might not actually be that comfortable for you. So it's these things that you've got to think about as well. What's the answer? Because I generally, I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest. I, is there an answer? I mean, I, I just think it's really about education, isn't it? And continuing mm. to educate people and continuing to push this kind of agenda that is is about, you know, making space for everyone and showing that there is enough space for everybody. Um, and And really like just having conversations in a really positive way that is, you know, like speaking to DJs, like, would you rather play to an all-male audience or look out and see a really nice, diverse mm. audience you're playing to? What makes you happier? I can guarantee you they'd like to see more diversity, like, unless they're an absolute fool. <laughs> like, and 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 with that diversity comes like a lot of, you know, it becomes more colourful. It becomes more exciting. More interesting, it right? It becomes more interesting. Absolutely. And in a way, like a little bit more challenging because every single one of those audiences has got a different background. So they want something a little bit different. So as a DJ, that's like a challenge that you want to mm. meet. And... And so just to see a sea of people that all look the same is boring. So, you know, when you go to a space that is largely men, then there's like this male toxicity that is there. Mm. And there's, you, you know, you get a bit of aggro and whatever, not always, but but when you have this kind of really gorgeous, diverse, I don't know, that's why I love playing on the queer scene. It's so colourful yeah. and it's so rich and it's so beautiful to be in this space with so many interesting, you know, diverse people. So... How can that not be a positive? So if you continue to book all cis white male lineups, that's the audience you're also going to bring in. So if you have more diverse lineups and that visibility will create more space for a more diverse audience, it's just more fun and more beautiful and more a, a nicer experience. Michelle is bang on and a glowing example of somebody who is elevating those around her. When I was working on the report, I really wanted to speak to Annie Mack. Few people can claim to have had more successful or influential careers in dance music. She's accelerated the careers of countless artists, launched her own festival, and of course she was a pillar at BBC Radio 1 for 17 years. And for people of my generation, she was the voice who guided us into the world of dance music. I really wanted to hear her thoughts on the positive changes she's seen during her long career. It really has changed in the last kind of 10 years, especially. I've noticed a kind of escalation of sorts when it comes to the conversation of equality in dance music. And I feel like, you know, as I'm coming from a perspective of all music, dance music has been quite exemplary when it comes to pushing towards this agenda of, you know, equality on lineups. So I know it's still awful and it needs loads of work, but when you zoom out, dance music's done pretty well. Obviously, it's come from a place and it was kind of invented and brought into the world by marginalised people. So the fact that it went the other way is fucking awful. The changes that have happened are mainly just are mainly just me being able to see female DJs coming up and coming through 
It's quite slow, you know, in terms of when it started. About 10 years ago, you saw a lot of the bottom lines of festival lineups being filled up with women. And now, obviously, these women are becoming more successful and they're, and they're moving up. I think also the changes that have happened have been that the gatekeepers, the big powerful promoters and agents and managers have been forced, whether they like it or not, to have to think about this and to have to discuss it and, ha and they, you know, they're being called out on it if they don't represent a certain amount of women. I still think that um, people are getting away without doing it and you have the same old argument that I found in the world of promotion which is like well we are so and so and so and so and they couldn't do it so like what are we supposed to do and my argument against that is like you just do whatever it takes to make sure that you have an equal lineup and if you go from the very start with that priority and that agenda then you can do it but they don't I think that's the problem it's kind of very much they're kind of it feels tokenistic sometimes and I think they think if they've done the work in trying to get people and they don't get people well then at least they've tried so all I can say about the changes that have happened is I like to try and be part of that myself in terms of having lost and found and for the last two years making sure that that lineup is fully equal not just in terms of gender but also in terms of you know race and ethnicity it's kind of making it feel very diverse and representative so as long as I can do that and I can show that it's possible then hopefully that is a, a good argument to other people to show that it, it can be done. Annie is such a badass and yeah, she said it perfectly, how important it is to book lineups and make them diverse. Now I've learned this summer from booking my own Utopia residency in London that it is really difficult to book a lineup. I appreciate that, especially if you want to make it diverse and book the acts that you like. However, I've been able to do it. I'm really happy with the lineup and it's a whole mixture of sounds and people. And Annie is a shiny example of someone who gets their lineups bang on. Lost and Found Festival in Malta every summer always has the best lineups and they're 50-50. And we get it. We appreciate that sometimes it's difficult to book a lineup because of things like exclusivity. So that's when a DJ is booked to play in a city and they're restricted to play there again for a certain period of time or budget or loads of reasons why it can be hard but it can be done. I also asked Annie about the changes she'd like to see in order for more female and non-binary artists to be represented. More women in the boardrooms it always comes down to that more women or non-binary people in the boardrooms making the decisions that's what it takes you know there's quite a lot of women that work behind the scenes in dance music and when it comes to being managers or DJ or agents or kind of PR people but there's always a point where those women kind of duck out or, or, or have to end up working part time or become less powerful in their jobs because they stop and have families. Not all of them, of course, but the women who choose to do that. And you really notice women ducking out around then. And that is a time when men are able to kind of accelerate forwards and, and get those positions of power and keep them. So we need to find a way for women to be able to work flexibly. We need to be able to find a way for women who have their own companies, be it management companies, agencies, promotions companies, to be able to go off and have babies and have that company run underneath them. So it's about finding ways for women who run companies to be able to be supported, to be flexible, to be able to hand their artists over to someone and have their artists feel safe and, and for that woman to be able to come back. It's very, very difficult. It's not designed for women who want to have families. And we need to try and find a way to make dance music accessible and make the industry accessible for women. 
uh, who wouldn't have families to be able to come back and do that. So that's a huge one. And yeah, I think, you know, it has to keep going the way it's going, but ideally a little bit faster in terms of seeing women be trusted to headline events, be trusted to be at the top of the tiers of festivals. And, you know, they're showing it again and again that they can sell out venues all over the world, that they have the power, they have the skills, obviously, to do that. It shouldn't even be fucking up for debate, but they're showing it. And, you know, money talks. That's all promoters care about. You know, you, you'll hear with those big festivals like Wireless or whatever, or Reading, it's like, well, there's no female headliners that sell tickets. So, you know, on a very base economic level, we have to be able to show that female headliners can sell tickets. And once that happens, which it has in the past, and obviously we know they can, then the promoters will, will book them. But ideally, we'd have more women promoters, more women managers, more women agents, more women business owners, women setting the agenda in terms of dance music and how it's run, and obviously non-binary as well. Annie mentioned motherhood there, which is such an important topic that doesn't get spoken about enough. I sat down with Laura, who is a producer, a DJ, a vocalist, and also a mother. One of the biggest challenges for me has been this seismic shift in perspective. Like when you have a child or a baby, um, your whole perspective just shifts to protecting them, giving them what they need, nurturing them, and to the point where you actually kind of forget about your own needs for a while ultimately certainly for that first certainly for the first six months and then beyond that and for me that shift was so disorientating because I've spent my whole entire career in music just being trained to think about myself you know like everything is about my artistic projects and so to have that massive shift in perspective in my home life where I'm just not thinking about myself. And then when I, I kind of came back to work when he was about six months old, I started stepping into the studio again for a couple of days a week. And it was like, whoa, this feels so uncomfortable suddenly, you know, because I'm still thinking about him, but ultimately I have to switch my brain back to like Laura artist mode rather than Laura mum mode. And that has been huge for me and it's taken I mean I, it's only really now he's one and a half 18 months that I'm starting to feel like I'm coming back to my full power that has been very challenging for sure like getting back into kind of artist mode you know and, and finding the energy also to make sure you look good <laughs> you know and and think about that stuff again because it, it used to come so naturally to me all of that you know the way I presented myself physically and online on my socials content and all that stuff and then to like have this huge break from that and then behind the scenes you know you just you're covered in just everything's a mess you know you just everything's a mess when you become a parent you know I try and share as much of that as I'm comfortable with you know the kind of the ugly stupid side of parenting alongside the kind of the glamour and the the glitz of doing what it is I do for a job I'm lucky enough and privileged enough to do for a job but um it is quite it messes with your head a bit you know to go between those two worlds I love that you do share a lot of your experience so publicly you know like personally I think it's really inspiring to to know that you can be a woman in this industry and like be a DJ and be in music and be like successful and you can obviously go off and have a baby and then keep going keep doing that and I like I, you know I'm not thinking about babies yet but like I know that you know when I want to be I've seen like you I've seen Jam Supernova do it I've seen Annie Mac do it and 
It's yeah. really inspiring. I don't know if you've realised the impact that that has, but it's really important to see. Oh, man, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like it was Annie Mack and Anna Luno as well. And, uh, yeah, and Jamster Minova is absolutely incredible. Um, but, yeah, those seeing those guys, like, especially Annie Mack, I feel like opened up post-pandemic a little bit more about kind of the struggles of managing a career versus the, the parenting thing. And that was super inspiring because, yeah, previous to these guys, you know, sharing that, I hadn't really seen anybody talk about it in our world, you know? I guess it's not the norm, but it is it is possible to do it. But yeah, I, I'm glad I'm glad that's offering a little bit of inspiration up there. Uh, I think it's important, man, because if you don't see people doing the things that you want to do, you just have no idea that those roles exist. How inspiring and honest. Love what you're doing, Laura. The final question I asked Annie was if she'd seen a type of female or non-binary dance and electronic artist that tends to break through. And if so... Why does she think that might be? If you go to the very top, as in the biggest names in terms of female and non-binary DJs, it is quite a mixed bag. You know, you have your Honey Dijons and your Black Madonnas or Bless Madonnas and your Peggy Goose, which is great. But then there's there's a kind of big swathe of very successful techno DJs that all kind of look the same. So I think it would be very naive of me to say that, oh, yeah, there's no, you know, they don't all look the same because I think if you got all kind of successful female DJs and non-binary DJs, like a hundred of them, basically, of the most successful, you would definitely see that there's a huge lacking when it comes to people of colour and non-binary people. So I think the reason for that is I think that so many of the gatekeepers and so many of the people with power are privileged and white and I think that the actual act of becoming a DJ involves having space and money in order to learn your craft so being able to afford decks being able to afford mix programs being able to have a space where you can go and DJ all of that stuff um, involves having a level of, of money and wealth or investment in you that a lot of people just don't have. So I think you have to, at the moment, unfortunately, you don't have to, but it really helps and escalates your career if you come from a place of privilege where you are able to have the equipment that you need. Despite dance music being rooted in black culture and queer culture, after many years of whitewashing and erasure of queer people, the industry can be particularly hard for black people, queer people and artists of minorities to navigate. Here's Michelle Manetti, who we heard from earlier. Have you ever experienced any kind of physical or verbal altercation while playing in a club? Has that happened to you? Um, I have, but actually it wasn't, it wasn't actually with a, with a man. It was actually just to do with kind of queerness. And it was at Femme Fresh, and we had this group of like 20 um, hen party straight girls turned up. Mm. And I was DJing, and they were like, Where are all the lesbians there? Where are all the lesbians? Were pointing at me like, There's one. And then just like, <laughs> no way. Honestly. And then, and then they were just like being really appropriate with kind of everybody in the club. To which point I was like, Someone needs to kick them out. This yeah. is just not okay. That's to do with sexuality, not gender. But, but I guess it's still part and parcel of marginalization mm. and how to be, how to, how to be in a space and how to how to operate in a space with respect. And here's the Blessed Madonna, one of the biggest producers in the world and my hero in dance music, who's collaborated with the likes of Dua Lipa and Fred again, talking about their gender identity. 
Hi, my name is The Blessed Banana and my pronouns are she, her, they, them. I'm a DJ and I'm a producer and I'm a songwriter and I throw events and I'm also a radio presenter on BBC Six Music. As a non-binary woman, which is a complex idea, but is definitely how I would describe myself. Um, as a non-binary woman in dance music, I wish that people knew how important it is that we keep a very close watch on the culture that we live in. We're living in a time where there's a rising tide of dangerous ideas that are in the ether, that are in the zeitgeist at this moment. And even amongst people who would say that, you know, I'm a feminist or I don't have any problem with trans people, all of these people who would seemingly be a part of the community and the kind of values that are really important to me. There is even inside those supposed communities a slide into ideas that I think are genuinely like dangerous for other people. If people could greet the women and non-binary people and so on around them with 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 gentle and loving curiosity rather than framing framing the existence of other people as a debate or the presence of people as a debate we would be a lot better because I think that that debating, that othering, it becomes a very real concrete danger for people's actual lives. It's time for a break now, but after this, we'll hear from Talia and Salute, two artists who are inspiring positive change in our industry. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. People of the US, great news. The Formula 1 circus is coming to Miami this weekend, and we've got everything you need to know on P1 with Matt and Tommy, the Formula 1 podcast from Stack. It doesn't matter if you're an F1 veteran or hardly watch a race. If you want a fun breakdown of the biggest stories from this weekend's race, we've got you covered. Join us for previews and reaction episodes from practice, qualifying and the race itself, plus our full Driver Rankings podcast early next week. You'll be armed with enough info to make you look like a bona fide expert when the race rolls back around next year, or at least when you see your friends next week. Search P1 with Matt and Tommy in your podcast app to subscribe and listen now. Now. 
Next, I want you to hear from somebody I love to share a conversation with. Hi, I'm Talia. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a musician, a DJ, and also a podcaster. Talia is a rising star from Glasgow and she's carving out a huge space in dance music with a large yet tight-knit community around her. I became obsessed with her bass-heavy, shimmering, pop-laden rave music after I first heard her in 2021. I started making music just as I transitioned, as I like transitioned personally, Mm -hmm. um, because I'm trans. And I think... There is a reason that both of the experiences correlated with each other and happened at the same time. I think that the way that I was making art before I transitioned, I was kind of using it as an outlet to investigate what I was feeling internally. Whereas as I started to express my internal dialogue externally, that's when I felt more of a freedom to kind of just do whatever I wanted. Talia was the first black trans artist to be nominated at the Scottish Alternative Music Awards and the first ever artist to win two categories in the same year. She also was BBC Introducing Dance Artist of 2022 and I love that she's proudly taking up space and showing the world that she's an unstoppable force in dance music. Because of the the music that I make or perhaps the audiences that attach themselves to my music more, there's a huge sense of community there, which feels very, very nice to be able to tap into because I think that I've always experienced music through a a community kind of lens, kind of like experiencing my first experiences of like the Glasgow club scene and then like moving to Berlin and then like going to London and experiencing like the queer community and things and like the queer community here in Glasgow as well. There's always been this kind of idea of withstanding and togetherness that I think is, I think would be really, really strange to experience my career without that. As you heard in the previous episode, safety and being safe at work is a huge worry for women, trans and non-binary people in music. I'm very aware of my position of privilege as a cis woman, so I'm interested to hear Talia's take on this. I have a lot of stipulations in my writer on kind of like what needs to happen in order to ensure my safety and a lot of the time people don't follow that and I think at gigs you're only as safe as how much the promoter cares and a lot of the time when you're dealing with promoters they will not be of any kind of like marginalized background so they will not be this kind of like inherent camaraderie or collective thought on perhaps what it means for you to be safe and what it means for them to be safe and how they interact with the space and how you interact with the space. Mm. The two are are wholly different a lot of the time. But I think a lot of the time you just need to make you just need to make them listen, which is a difficult thing because I think people especially when you talk about like taxis to and from venues or um like a late checkout or just like an escort or things like that. People think that these are just like luxuries to offer an artist and they're not, they're, they're a means to which we are able to 
go and do our job, the job that you have hired us to do with ease and not necessarily have to like damage our own mental well-being in order to do that. Mm. Because there have been like awful times when, I, when I've been on tour where just like the most horrific of uh, interactions have happened and it's just due to a lack of intent or a lack of care, which is like the most heartbreaking thing because you think, oh, if you had only cared a little bit more or if you had only understood just a little bit more, then perhaps I would not have had to like do that or like experience that or go through that, you know? Oh gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's 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 hard, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, you want to do these gigs and be booked and obviously play and do your job and, mm. and get paid as well. But then it's like all these other extra things you have to think about and I think it's really important to to talk about this because I guess I guess also like if you're a promoter and you know maybe you're like a cis white man and like you know they might not even have considered what other people might need to feel safe when they're going to work yeah one of the things I've experienced is like keyboard warriors online and Mm -hmm. People love to just... People love to tell you you're doing a great job. When people you're love videos. to talk. <laughs> and they also love to tell you that they <laughs> don't like what you're doing or accuse you of, like, not mixing or, like, comment on your appearance or just be a bit of a dick. Um, mm. And, like, how do you deal with... Have you, have you ever had anything like that? And, and how do you kind of deal with it? Because I, I try and... I have a reply really sassily. Sassily? Is that a word? Sass- <laughs> I have a reply with some sass. Or if they're, like, slagging off the gender report, I'll be like, well, have you actually read it? And I'll link them to the website, and often they just don't reply or they they leave. But, I mean, yeah. do you have, like, a coping me- mechanism? With kind of, like, stuff like, like Boiler Room, for example, when that goes up or they people post things on social media and people comment but honestly I feel like a lot of the time well if not all of the time when anyone has something bad to say it's always kind of like more projection a projection of their own inner conflict rather than a a critique of your actual ability as an artist as a human being as whatever and so a lot of the time I kind of like think about I don't. I try not read them, but a lot of the time when you're interacting with TikTok or YouTube and things, like in order to read the good, you also need to read the bad. And sometimes I do like to read the good and see what people are saying and and to hear what people think about the music. But uh, yeah, when whenever I encounter stuff like that, I always just kind of think back on myself and think back on on what I've done and what I've achieved, and ultimately. I'm the person in this position. I'm the artist who's doing something. And they're just a person that I have no idea who they are, like, behind, like, a screen. And I think because all my life I've dealt with bullying. And I think when you deal with something for your entire life, you do just become innately kind of immune to it and kind of numb to it. So I really just don't care. Like, as long as my life is, like, going okay and I'm doing well and I'm healthy and my family's healthy and my friends are healthy and I'm able to live my life with joy then I don't know it is what it is like I don't care like I genuinely don't care yeah Yeah. well good for you like it's 
it's such a hard one, isn't it? And it's it's a shame that there is like hate in this world, but I think you kind of have to just like rise above it and that is part of the same way of like being black is is part of our dna like experiencing racism mm. also means that it's part of our dna as well it's nothing that we can actually change because these structures are so like deeply built within society that it takes complete kind of like societal reconstruction to change anything and it's like all like everything that happened in 2020 didn't change the fact that racism still exists mm. it's still th- something that we need to deal with obviously conversations about it need to happen there needs to be an exploration and like to why certain things happen and how we can better combat it and how people out with marginalization can be better allies but ultimately it's just something that we have to deal with so it's just something that in essence we need to accept to some mm. degree but I think also, like, by existing in these spaces and by taking up space, like, that is something in itself. I, I yeah, it's, it's, it's so radical. And I think that that's, it's a, that's another reason why people find it so scary, because it is a very radical form of, of protest um, taking up space. And only a few people do it, and and it can only happen to a few people, and it's up to those specific people to be aware of that and to harness it the best that they can, you know? It's a privilege Mm. to be able to be put in this position, and it's a privilege to be able to do what I do. It is a privilege, and I don't know, I feel, I don't know about you, I mean, I feel like you're the same as me, but like, I now do, I recognise the, like, having a platform and, and the importance and, like, the impact you can have and, you know, one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast and trying to, like, help make the world more equal is because I feel like I actually, I feel like I have a duty to do it, but I, I want to do it and I feel like by doing things, like, being visible, having conversations, challenging the norm, I think it can make a difference. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, like everything that you've done already, making people so many people aware of of what's actually going on within within our industry is amazing, and that obviously wouldn't have happened unless you existed. So yeah, I think it's it's very important for us not only to like do what we love to do, but to make sure that we are talking on behalf of not only ourselves but the communities that we inhabit, and to make sure that we're a genuine reflection of that, and we're like a a vehicle for change um, yeah. yeah and also hopefully can inspire people that, that relate to us to do the same and in a few years time the scene might look completely different which is exciting yeah exactly I'm just in awe of how Talia articulates herself with such grace and intelligence she's such an inspiring person and I can't wait to see what she goes on to achieve and the boundaries she's going to break down her career so How can we actually improve representation then? Well, this brings me on to one of the key suggestions we recommend in the report, inclusion riders. Inclusion riders are requirements that DJs put in their contract, which holds promoters and venues responsible for booking diverse lineups. If the venue doesn't book a diverse lineup, the DJ is no longer contractually obliged to play. There was nobody better to speak to about these riders than my good friend, Salute. Hi, I'm Felix, or Salute, he and they, and I'm a DJ and producer. Salute publicly shared their inclusion rider on Instagram. It says, 
the promoter agrees to ensure the inclusion of an underrepresented and or marginalised group in the booking of the artist lineup. The promoter agrees to book at least one or more persons who identify as being a member of an underrepresented group and or marginalised groups playing on the same stage or bigger or minimum 30% of the artists, whichever is greater. The term underrepresented and marginalised groups is defined as such. Any people who identify themselves as women, black, people of colour, disabled, LGBTQ+, or any combination of these identifying terms as defined by their own choice or description. I reserve the right to deny and retract any contractual agreements that are signed prior if these requirements are not met, voiding any contractual agreements with the promoter. How amazing is that? Off the top of my head, I can only think of four DJs who aren't women who have inclusion riders. Now imagine how impactful it would be if more big male DJs like Calvin Harris, Fred again, Patrick Topping followed Salute's example. If we tackle the problem from the top down, imagine how much progress will be accelerated. Why did you feel the need to talk about having an inclusion rider? And, and why do you think having an inclusion rider is important? Well, I was just noticing that there were so many talented female DJs, so many talented um, non-binary DJs, so many talented LGBTQ DJs, etc. that weren't getting the shine that I thought they should. Black DJs, DJs of colour. That was one of the main reasons why I did it. I just wanted to see more people represented that looked like me, that looked like my friends who are not white, who looked like my friends who are not men, etc. Because I feel like when I was growing up, I missed that on stage. And I feel like had that been there for me, that would have had a huge impact on me. Seeing yourself represented in a DJ booth or on the dance floor, that makes a huge difference. So I think it's a small step, but it's one that I think is necessary. It was really interesting to hear Salute say that. I remember I used to be a huge Marvel Comics fan as a kid. I remember being so drawn to Storm. Remember Storm from the X-Men? The mutant with the white mohawk who used to cast thunder and lightning and fly. Seeing a black woman character was important to me as it felt relatable and I could see myself in Storm. And it made me see that Marvel was for me too. How would I have felt if I'd seen a DJ who looked like me? Which reminds me, Recently, I got sent a photo from a producer called Ghost 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 of his three-year-old daughter. She was glued to my Mix Mag lab set. You can just see the silhouette of her cute little afro and spotty pyjamas in front of the TV screen. I'm obsessed. And this just shows you how valuable representation is. Hey, my name is Ghost Ghost Ghost. My pronouns are he, him. I'm a DJ producer based in Northern Ireland and I'm also a dad of a three-year-old biracial girl. So... On to representation. It's something that's important to me because I'm black, I'm from East London, but I also went to like the whitest school, an all boys grammar school in London. Then I went to Union Newcastle, also very white. So I've been used to being the only black face in the room. But uh, enough about me. I'd rather talk about my daughter. And uh, like when your child says, Daddy, I want to be XYZ, you want to be able to say, That's possible. And like have an example of someone that like looks like them doing it because you can say yes and the next question is going to be well okay who does it then so it means she points at Jaguar playing at the lab and after commenting on a dress which was amazing she goes I like this song can I play songs like her can I be like her she's now asking for braids that are going to take ages to do as a DJ has braids so if I'm going to play music daddy I need braids when she has on her purple Disney princess dress because that was the closest thing to Jack's dress and she's playing at being a DJ, pretending to play like daddy's records. Like, 
it just means I'm not lying to her when I tell her you can do it as like she can see someone that looks like her that's doing it right now and winning it oh my god how beautiful is that it makes me want to cry it's also so so wonderful to see men engaging with the report and supporting the good fight this is a team effort at the end of the day anyway back to my conversation with salute what words do you have to kind of i guess our male dj peers I think it's important to remember that the playing field has never been uh, level and that doing stuff like this can help, even though it won't solve all the issues, I think it's a step in the right direction. Just because I have an inclusion rider doesn't mean that the job ends there. It goes way beyond that. But doing that is such an easy way to ensure that whatever happens, you're always going to be on a diverse lineup. And that in itself is something that we should be striving for. Yeah, really well said, actually. What else do you think um, the industry, both DJs, promoters, agents, managers, label heads, people behind the scenes as well, could be doing to just make the scene a more inclusive place? I think when we talk about inclusion writers, you also need to remember that it's not just enough to be like, okay, I'm going to put one token person on this lineup just to fill a quota. You need to think sort of beyond that and also make sure you're paying people fairly because that is a um, an issue that even though, yeah, a promoter might book a diverse lineup, what are the people who are the, the people of colour, the women, etc., what are they earning, what are they taking away? And I think making sure that people are paid fairly will always make a space more inclusive. But then also seeing, reaching out and seeing what can we do to make our spaces safer so that people will actually join them. Because I know a lot of people who are um, like women or people of colour who won't go into certain dance music spaces because they don't feel safe in them. And I think speaking and engaging with the communities that come in, uh, and dance in the venues that you um, put nights on is really, really important because, yeah, it's great to have like new faces on the lineup, but having people on the dance floor, that is important as well. If you're an artist and you want to start using an inclusion rider, you can find a template on the jaguarfoundation.net. When we consider ways of improving diversity in dance music, it's also really important to see people nurturing new talent, something I've seen the benefits of firsthand with the Future 1000 initiative, a free online course for female, trans and non-binary young people taking their first steps into music. It's still available for anyone wanting to get into DJing aged between 12 and 18, and I loved getting to know the students from the course and giving them their first gigs. Looking to the future feels like a great place to leave this documentary. Things are improving, and by having conversations like the ones you've heard today, we can accelerate that change. Audrey Lord's evolution is happening all around us. There has been a notable increase in the number of artists from marginalised genders. We're also slowly seeing diversity on lineups move in the right direction. With education, representation and improvements to safety and accessibility, we can become even stronger. I'm feeling positive about the future. I hope this documentary has empowered you. If it has, please go and tell your friends, especially the men in your life. I've personally felt incredibly inspired making this. Huge thank you to all the contributors who've shared their stories and experiences so honestly. If you'd like to read the full report, you can access it for free online at thejaguarfoundation.net. 
And a huge thank you to my producer, Katie Baxter, aka K-Bax, who has just been so monumental, so wonderful to work with and couldn't have done this without her. And cheers to you for fighting a good fight. Utopia Talks is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. People of the US, great news. The Formula One Circus is coming to Miami this weekend and we've got everything you need to know on P1 with Matt and Tommy, the Formula One podcast from Stack. It doesn't matter if you're an F1 veteran or hardly watch a race. If you want a fun breakdown of the biggest stories from this weekend's race, we've got you covered. Join us for previews and reaction episodes from practice, qualifying and the race itself, plus our full Driver Rankings podcast early next week. You'll be armed with enough info to make you look like a bona fide expert when the race rolls back around next year, or at least when you see your friends next week. Search P1 with Matt and Tommy in your podcast app to subscribe and listen now. Listener.